Hey, we want to say a huge welcome back to Better Modesto. This is the show with Chris Rickey and myself, Jim Applegate. And, you know, we are two guys that might see things differently, but as we've become closer friends, we are actually realizing how similar we see the world and the things that we want to do in the world. So we want to encourage the entire city of Modesto. Um, if you could get to know one another, get to know people who you think are different than you, what could happen in our city? So huge welcome. I'll tell you what could happen, Jim. We might have a better Modesto. <laughs> we would have a better Modesto. And so, yeah, Chris, how are you doing this week? It's been a crazy week, but I'm I'm just excited to be a part of it. Okay, that's awesome. I'm sure that means that, you know, when you ran for city council, you had no idea how many additional hours this would add to your schedule. But on top of an already busy family life and work schedule, you've got this now. Yeah, it's fascinating. You go from one meeting to another meeting to another meeting. And then there's the meetings that didn't end up on your calendar that, that you need to be at. Why aren't you in the meeting? Yeah, I think the all of Modesto feels your pain. In that. <laughs> hey, we wanted to start out the show today just by talking about good news from this week and bad news from this week. So... You know, what's some, what's some good things that have happened in Modesto this week? Good news in this week, I, I think probably the greatest news is that healthcare-wise in the city, we got tied up in a really rough deal for our healthcare for our employees. But thanks to some really deft work by city staff, they were able to recover all the money that we lost, which is incredible. Like it was almost $6 million that they recovered. Um, from this really bad deal. So this is a uh, Jim Applegate moment, I think, uh, where we definitely learned something from this experience. Right. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. And uh, yeah, what a great, what a great positive spin and glad to get that 6 million back. That's for sure. Yeah. Learning something and not losing the millions of dollars is really fantastic. And, you know, hats off to the, to the staff that got it done. Yeah, huge thanks to our city staff who worked diligently um, on, on those kind of things. So, hey, I was uh, I was thrilled this week just to read the Modesto View uh, that Chris Murphy produces. And, you know, if you haven't seen that around town, it's, you know, I, I picked it up at El Compadre, which is my favorite taqueria in Roseburg Square, and just was standing there ordering food this week and picked it up and started reading through it. It's a great magazine that highlights so many good things that are going on in our city. And I just wanna commend Chris Murphy and his staff for the work that they're doing just to highlight uh, different things in Modesto. So in it uh, is the art culture in Modesto. And there is something to be celebrated about the prolific art culture in our city. And then um, events in our community, including the most creative fundraising schemes lately, because, you know, it used to be like we would go to a event at the Gallo to raise funds. And now we can't do that because of the COVID season. And so there's, you know, like crab fests are still happening, but just in a different way. And those are listed in Modesto View. So I think that's fantastic. And then I also just noticed in their advertising from the great businesses of Modesto that are trying to survive in this town. So you know, that was the good news. I was just celebrating that this week, just thinking through the good stuff that's happening. So thanks. I love the, yeah, I love the way that Chris Murphy has been working on that thing for so long. And it's been such a labor of love to this community. And he always is talking about 
the great things that are happening here and all the people that are making it happen. And I think yeah. that's pretty admirable. You, you've been friends with Chris Murphy for a little while, haven't you, Chris? As far as long as I've lived here. He was one of the first people I met when I got here. Okay. And, you know, that I know this Medesto View thing is kind of a side hustle for him. He, he actually works full time in another job. But, man, what a tremendous job he's doing at just communicating about our city. Yeah, he's Mr. Modesto and he's always out there, you know, whether it's the Christmas Christmas parade and the Rockin' Christmas deal he does at 10th Street Place or the Mama Awards that he does every year or Modesto View. He's always doing something positive for the community like every day. And I yeah. think he's just a really special person. Yeah, we should have Chris Murphy Day or something in Modesto and try to be like him. That would be fantastic. No so. doubt about it. Hey, one of the other great things that's happening is the changes in COVID. It seems like all the direction, all the graphs are going in the right direction right now. Yeah, we've got some good indicators. That means people are uh, following the guidelines and we're going to get back to, you know, I, I read this morning that they might be opening schools in March. That would be really encouraging. So hopefully we keep following those guidelines and, um, you know, I had a good good talk with Sue Zwellen a couple of days ago and she's been really thinking about different ways that we can, you know, encourage people to make really good choices health-wise to try to reduce these numbers even further. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think a huge shout out is in order to Scott Kuykendall and his team over at SCO, the, the Stanislaus County of Office of Education, who really represents all of the districts in Stanislaus County. And they've done a great job negotiating with teachers. And so we just want to say thanks to them and also a huge thanks to teachers too, who are really in a difficult position of, you know, wanting to stay safe, but also wanting to be back in the classroom and teach. And um, yeah, what, what a difficult season. And so we just appreciate the tenacity of working towards getting our kids back in schools. So yeah, have you heard much about the mental health issues of students in our community, Chris? I mean, when you hear about these kind of things, it's really six one way, half dozen another way. Uh, some kids are really benefiting from the remote learning uh, style. Like my son's grades have improved dramatically, but there's other kids who are really struggling. And there's, you know, there's kids that maybe don't have internet that are not uh, being taught as effectively as with those without. There are ones that need to be in person. It's kind of like humans. We all have different strengths, weaknesses. So this is not, let's be straight, this is not a good model to use to educate your kids. But none of us want to be doing this. I mean, I want my kid to be at, at school meeting friends and, and doing the important, like I met some of my best friends even today I met in junior high school. Yeah. He's missing out on that. that. That is awful. Like I'm not, so uh, it, this is rough. And I think we're getting through it the best we can. But I think that, you know, and maybe, and this is like something that I, I think you might agree with, but like we as humans, we're, re, we're resilient species. And I think that next year, whenever, you know, March or whenever the kids end up coming back, you know, they're going to bounce back because kids are resilient and they're going to, they're going to push forward. It's going to be, I think it's going to be okay. Yeah. Well, we also want to validate the uh, pain that the uh, moms and dads and, you know, especially single moms and dads in our community have felt, you know, as they've been trying to work online, trying to help their kids do school, um, you know, what a difficult season. And I, I know I've been on many Zoom calls where a mom is trying to listen in on the Zoom call and, and try to teach her kids as well. And so we just, 
I mean, thank, we just want to say thanks to everybody across our community who is working hard to try and resolve this and work together. So it's a, it's a good thing. So, Hey, so Chris, we've got about a minute left before we need to go to a break. And I just wanted to ask you what's going on with city council and how's Sue Swallen doing in her new role as mayor? Well, I think I talked to Sue the other day. I think she's doing great. She's really excited to help our city. We've been talking a lot about how we're doing with COVID. It's been going well. The numbers are going, you know, down quickly, which is really great. But Sue's got a bunch of good ideas, you know, with her healthcare experience to try to encourage people to lower those numbers even more. So maybe we can get some, you know, get schools back open and that kind of thing, right? So that's, yeah. we're excited about this. Hey, well, um, we're about to go to a break. So I just want to introduce you to our topic for today. We are going to talk about the changing demographic and how do we all get along. So we know Modesto is changing. We know that more people from the Bay Area are moving in. And so we, we want to talk about how do we all get along as our community changes. And we've got an exciting guest who's joining us today. So we'll introduce you to him. And uh, just want to remind you, this is Better Modesto and this is KFIV. And we'll see you right after the, well, we'll talk to you right after the break. All right, so we want to say welcome back. Hope you had a good time over the break. Grab some coffee or some bagels or Mr. T's donuts or something that is delicious and unhealthy for you. Chris, what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Coffee. Three okay. three mugs of coffee. Yeah, I'm, I'm like trying to lose some weight, you know, so being all cooped up for the last nine months, you know, you put on a weight and I put on a fair amount of weight. So I did this noom deal i don't know if you've heard about that but yeah. i lost 20 pounds in a month so i'm feeling pretty good man but i'm eating a lot of carrots i really like carrots i've um, uh, apples coffee yeah, yeah that's good like times a great way to lose weight so yeah oh man i i i uh i don't think i can handle living without chocolate so is is chocolate on the noom diet oh you can have that stuff i mean like i ate a whole pizza yesterday like completely just Good for you blew it but that's kind of part of the idea of this particular diet it's like you you do get to have the stuff you want too you know because if if, if you don't it's unsustainable and that's not a good way right. to live right so that's yeah. why i like it because yeah yeah i love it yeah. that's good it's all about getting healthier man you know that's right that's a that's a better modesto attitude right there so i love it Hey, so we're talking about the changing demographic of Modesto. And, you know, really what we're talking about is one in three houses are selling to someone in the Bay Area. So, you know, first of all, I want to say, if you just moved here from the Bay Area and you're listening to this radio show, we want to say welcome to you. And we want to help you get acclimated into Modesto. And that's a huge part of why we're putting Better Modesto together. But we also know that there's different values in the Bay Area as there are in Modesto. So Modesto has been a Central Valley conservative culture for a long time, and it has an agrarian farming type lifestyle, and that is beginning to shift now. In fact, um, for many years, uh, Modesto voted, or Stanislaus County voted Republican, and it was one of the last bastions of red in the entire state of California. And that has only shifted in the last 10 to 15 years to, in this election, it invited, it uh, voted for Biden over the, over Trump. And so we know this is shifting. So, you know, the real question as we begin to shift is how do we all get along? 
And Chris, I, I just want to ask you, have you noticed a shift in the Central Valley since you've lived here? Absolutely. I mean, keep in mind, I was in the event business for 20 years before I ended up kind of shifting into more of a digital marketing angle. But the, the graphics, the demographics haven't changed like in a small way. They've changed dramatically over the course of a really historically a very short period of time. And so when I did big events, like when I did X-Fest, you know, if you looked at X-Fest lineup in 2002 or 2003, you'd see rock and roll bands, you'd see blues bands, you'd see lots of classic rock. And then when you started to look at the lineups in, you know, 2014, 2015, we were doing more like of the hip hop, you know, and some of the like younger rock stuff, but like the demographics had shifted so much that the programming shifts were very, very dramatic. So it's been changing. It's been changing dramatically. It's going to continue to change dramatically, um, especially with the, the shift in real estate and how those prices continue to appreciate. It's going to continue shifting. And so as residents, we just have to, to flow with those changes and do the best we can. And I'm a transplant. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Southern California transplant, I guess, technically, because that's where I lived before here. But I lived in the Bay Area before that. Okay. So like you can acclimate and uh, become a really good Modestin, I think. Yeah. And then, you know, we also want to just mention here that the ACE train is on its way over. And when that happens, we're going to see a, a massive shift, especially into our downtown culture. I mean, you can already tell that uh, Starbucks is building a new location on the corner of J and 9th because I think they see this shift coming. Yeah, it's going to be dramatic. And I think it also, when you look at the changes in COVID and people, a lot of people choosing to work at home more often, the ACE train is going to be a real important component of that. Because if you do work in the Bay Area for a big Bay Area firm, for example, maybe you're working at home in Modesto for two or three or four days a week, but then you're hopping on the ACE train that one time that you need to go in the office for the big meeting. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's only going to, Modesto is going to only become more attractive for people working remotely, especially those that have families that want more space. This, this trend that you're speaking of is only going to become, I think, more dramatic as time goes on. Yeah. And so it's actually going to push our housing prices up. Like you said, it's going to make some people wealthier and a lot of people poorer, and then make it even more difficult for people to afford housing over here, which is, is going to be tough. So you know, that really brings in the topic of, you know, conservative versus liberal perspective, because, you know, there's no doubt that both conservatives and liberals are all trying to fix society, but they come at it from different uh, points of view. And they think, you know, we think this is going to work, trickle down is going to work, that's not going to work, people are just selfish, uh, you know, however, we perceive this. And so, you know, really, it's like, how do we get along? And how do we all push towards a better Modesto? So, we want to tell our story a little bit, Chris, because, you know, you you and I both ran against each other for the same District 3 city council seat. You ended up winning. Um, I, I went more on a Republican moderate ticket. You went more on, on a, a Democratic liberal ticket. And, uh, you know, yet in amongst that, in amongst like the Modesto B trying to pit us against one another and really, you know, just society as a whole trying to pit us against one another, we've become friends. So I want to ask you, like, what were your first impressions of me? Or no, no, no. Even before you met me, what did you think of me? Yeah, so when I thought, found out I was running against, you know, the preacher, 
There were, um, <laughs> being the liberal that I am, there were, there were some preconceived notions, you know, certainly about that. Um, and yeah, so I, I really did not think my first impression was like, maybe I would not, um, you know, be friendly with you. And I, maybe we would not be able to find agreement on a bunch of issues. And so I had some anxiety about that, but uh, I also, um, you know, wanted to, I want to get to know everybody and give everybody a chance. You know, that's part of who I am and what I've always done in my business is like, I'll give anyone a shot. And so that day where we met, I was shooting my, my candidate photos and I was right in front of your house, which I didn't know was your house. And I saw you and I recognized you and I just said, you know, hey, Jim. And we just started talking and like immediately I knew you weren't the guy I thought you were, which was refreshing and um, and actually a little off-putting because, you know, my consultant that I hired from Chicago, my political consultant was, you know, t- showing me all the big negative ads we were going to send to um, take out the preacher. And um, <laughs> then I met the preacher and I was, I wasn't so sure. And so the next week after we'd talked a little bit and I'd gotten this impression about this Jim Applegate guy who actually turns out to be a really good human being, like I told my consultant, I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it. I'd rather lose. I'd rather lose than do this. I'm not doing it. And uh, that's that's how I went down, man. What'd you, what'd you think of me? I mean, I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, um, you know, I had heard some stories from X-Fest. Uh, I heard, heard some stories from the police department. You know, I had heard, um, you know, I'd, I'd read some of the things on your website about your hundred ideas. Um, you know, honestly, like one of your ideas was to, um, you know, turn our crosswalks into rainbow flags. I think that's, that's what it was. And so, you know, some of that stuff, um, you know, kind of concerned me. I was like, whoa, you know, here's a, here's a pretty liberal agenda, especially for Modesto. And so I was, I was like, wow, this, this guy's really going to push the envelope very quickly in Modesto. And so I was a little worried about that. You know, where are we, where are we going to go with that? What's that going to look like? And um, yet, you know, just like you said, when I, I was thrilled that I walked out of my house and you actually recognized me, which I thought was a great kindness. Like you had, you must have seen my face somewhere, like on, I don't know, prison wall or, you know, the post office somewhere as on the most wanted list, <laughs> side of a milk carton, I don't know, something like that. <laughs> um, but you recognized me and then we got to talk. And then I, I don't know if you remember this, but your wife, Kim, actually came by as well. And so I got to meet her. It was just a really good, you know, 45 minute discussion of just kindness and, you know, finding things that we were similar in rather than, you know, looking at the differences. And so I, I, I thought that was great. And it changed my perspective immediately. I, you know, believe it or not, Chris, I didn't have a campaign manager who told me to run negative ads on you. So I didn't really have to change my, my, my view, but I, I would really. Sounds like you needed one though. (laughs) I did need one. (laughs) Give me the name of that guy. Maybe I can beat you next time. That would be that would be great. So, yeah. And so even you know even moving forward, when we did some you know some uh, debates with the Modesto B, uh, it was interesting because they were trying to pit us against one another. But which we just I think we we were elusive to them and the fact that we were moving towards common ground quickly, uh, and and that was hard 
you know, in a debate, because I think you're supposed to really show your opponent is unworthy or something. And yet I think we were both, you know, tooting each other's horn as it were. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was neat. Like we kind of, we kind of had a like brotherhood of friendly competition to begin with when we said like, Hey, we're just, we're going to both wear t-shirts in the, you know, in the, in the video. Yeah. Uh, together is just like a, you know, we're just regular, regular people that are running for office. And I thought that was neat because we both did, it was like a trust building thing and we both did it. And that was really meaningful. Yeah. Well, right on. Well, listen, this journey for me wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for a friend that I made about three to five years ago. And this friend is actually going to be our guest on our show, and he's going to come in uh, right after we take a break. So I hope you can hang around with us. Keep listening. Go grab some more coffee. Chris, don't grab any more coffee. I think you've had enough for today. <laughs> and uh, we will see you right after the break. So this is Better Modesto. on. Have a donut for me. Have a donut for me. <laughs> there we go. Now, this is KFIV 1360 AM. See you after the break. Okay. Hey, well, welcome back to Better Modesto. This is your host, Jim Applegate, and co-host, Chris Rickey. Uh, we are so excited to just be able to make Modesto a better place. And hopefully you're listening, learning, um, growing in some of the ways that we're growing as, you know, what my friend Chris always says, good human beings. I love it when you use that phrase, Chris. Where did you pick that up? I wish I knew. Just one of those ones. That <laughs> it just happened, you know? <laughs> That's great. Well, hey, as I said before the break, we've got one of my dear friends on the line, and uh, his name is Shalom Bachner. He is the rabbi at Congregation Beth Shalom in Modesto. And uh, so we just want to say welcome to the show today. Shalom. Thank you. It's great yeah. to be here. Thank you. And, and a huge thanks to you, especially since I called you this morning and said, hey, can you be on the show this afternoon? And you cleared your schedule to make this work. So as we're getting this show up and running, we've got to get our administrative details together. But uh, that's probably going to be slow going here. And life yeah. requires flexibility, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. So how long have you been in Modesto? Um, I am finishing my, my seventh or eighth year um, at Congregation Beth Shalom and the last uh, six of those full time. As a, as a resident of the, of the city. And, and how is the congregation doing right now during a time of COVID? I got to say we're holding together. Um, we were able to move the vast majority of our events onto Facebook and onto Zoom and added a whole series of, of classes and activities uh, before and we're seeing attendance up and thankfully for many months we're able to meet outside um, physically distanced and we only paused about a month and a half ago and hopefully it won't be another month and a half before we can safely regather um, outside and keep things moving. I'd say we're, we're intact and oddly enough, we've even picked up some members over the last 11 months. That's fantastic and that's great to hear. So Shalom and I actually met, I, I don't know how long ago it was. Do you remember Shalom? I don't, four years, five years? Sounds yeah. right. <laughs> I, I don't know, but it, it, it so basically, the way that we met was we got invited into a group, which almost sounds like a joke. It's like a rabbi, an imam, and a preacher walk into a bar. And, you know, that's what it kind of sounds like. But we actually got the privilege of being invited into a group where a few of us, so Shalom and the imam 
And if you don't know what an imam is, that's the that's basically the guy who is over the Muslim mosque in our town, and it's Ahmad, and he is a, an incredible guy. And we just got to sit and eat together and talk together for about an hour a month for probably the better part of a year and a half or two years and just got to know one another. And there was no agenda in that meeting. It was just um, hanging out together. And I think um, Michael from um, College Avenue Congregational Church was also with us. Is that right? right. Yes. Um, in fact, you and I first met at Catalyst. Um, and I had the good luck of having you sit next to me because I was looking around thinking, of, you know, is this the right move for me to be here at 6.30 in the morning? And uh, I was so appreciative of the friendship that we that we began, which led to exactly what, what you're describing. Um, I think there was an agenda. It was getting to know each other, uh, but it was yeah. to get, getting to know each other without any more strings, you know, attached beyond just, hey, how can a rabbi and a, and a, and a, a pastor and an imam and some other religious leaders, you know, learn about each other without necessarily needing to agree with everyone's beliefs or politics. How can we still be friends? Yeah, and that was, you know, I remember uh, attending an event that I, I started talking about the phrase, coexist does not mean co-believe. You know, because sometimes when people shove religious groups together, they say things like, oh, we all believe the same thing. We all believe in the same God. And, you know, that's not true. And um, that actually makes a lot of religious leaders feel very uncomfortable yeah. because we do have our distinct values. We do have the books that we read from, the holy books that we adhere to. And uh, so it's, it's much better to be able to say that coexist doesn't necessarily mean co-believe. And I love that phrase. It's been very helpful to me over the years. And it's very, been very helpful in our friendship just to say, hey, it doesn't matter if we believe everything the same. We can still be wholly devoted to what we are personally convicted about and yet be friends together and not just be friends, but be friends that support one another, support the work and support the work that's going on in the community together. I agree completely. And I think that too often we get into these situations where, you know, we don't want to expose ourselves to something that is different from us. And we want to stay in our own silo and, and just be in an echo chamber. And yet that's not, that's not life. That's certainly not the world. That's not the United States. That's not Modesto. And the ability to sit with someone that you don't agree with, I think it is a great skill because um, friendship and connection should not be dependent on agreement. Um, you know, that, that's not a realistic standard. In other words, I'm only going to talk to the people that like the same sport or vote the same way or like the same music. I'm cutting myself off from, you know, two thirds, three quarters, 90% of the world that way. Um, and I think it's actually really important, particularly in, in multi-faith dialogue, to not just celebrate what's common, but to celebrate what's different, to, to be very comfortable with, hey, these are differences between Jews and Christians and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and, and Sikhs. And not just say, hey, we all have the same values, we're all basically the same. We're not all the same. Yeah, we still might share some of the same values. Doesn't change the fact that we can celebrate what we have in common and what's different and explore that with a, you know, kind of a sociology mindset. Oh, what's out there? What do people think? What's happening? Yeah. But what's funny is what you guys are describing sounds a lot like what people that aren't very religious would say. Like you all believe the same stuff. There's an 
almighty power out there and y'all believe in X, Y, and Z and you're all the same and just a little different, different spice, you know? So that's what it sounds like to me. <laughs> and yet I'd say the differences are, are much more profound than the differences between, you know, oregano or a, a paprika. Let's be honest, the Judaism and Christianity and Islam, while they're all Abrahamic monotheistic faiths, have significant theological differences with each other, despite having overlapping stories and ancestors. And the question is, do we want to focus on where we disagree? Or do we want to sit with those differences and explore where we can get along in spite of those differences? Yeah, and I would just add to that too, that I think as I've heard- I want to give that an amen though. Can I give it an amen? <laughs> oh, that's so- How about a hallelujah? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, if you could see Chris on the Zoom right now, he's actually waving a flag across. It's, it's brilliant, so yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I would just add, it's not just learning from each other's differences, but also when we learn from each other's differences, they actually make our own point of view that much better. And so, Shalom, I, I know that I've actually called you a few times and said, hey, I don't understand even this text within my Bible. Can you help me understand it? Um, because it is an overlapping text, and you've given me some great perspective on that, which has just been phenomenal to me. So, Shalom, we, we are both part of a group called M-Link. Can you explain M-Link real quick for our sure. listeners? Uh, M-Link stands for Multi-Faith Leaders in Community. And it started informally. It started informally about four years ago with a few of us that have been having lunch together, pastors, religious leaders, um, thinking, you know, the divides in our country are getting so sharp, so upsetting. Can we do something about it rather than just kind of see the car crash happen? And what occurred to a few of us was, you know, it would be really great. Can we get people from a broad spectrum of religious um, perspectives in the same room to simply get to know each other. And as we sat having this conversation, I thought, yeah, you know, there's a couple evangelical pastors I know, and I have the phone number of the Unitarian minister. And oh, I've had this conversation with, with my colleague, uh, Ahmed. Um, oh, and, and I suddenly started kind of going through what we used to call a Rolodex, but it's certainly no longer, you know, in Rolodex form. And we quickly came up with a plan. Hey, in three weeks, we're going to get a bunch of us together. And if people are like, well, do you think anyone's going to show up? And I said, we'll see, you know, if even five people show up, it's more than, than would happen if we don't even do this. And it's not only grown, it's continued. It's become a monthly opportunity for the full diversity of our faith communities in the county, in, in, in Modesto and beyond, to get to know each other. And part of it is to learn about each other's faiths. Part of it is to learn about what, what are the challenges our communities are facing. But most importantly, it's, it's getting to know each other. So as you just said, hey, if you have a question that maybe a Seventh-day Adventist can answer. Now we know who the Seventh-day Adventist pastor is. We've sat with him for, for hours. Oh, what's going on with the Buddhist community, the Hindu community? We are a much more diverse community here in Modesto than I think most people realize, certainly more than I realized. Yeah. Um, coming in here. And it's one of the beauties of this area um, is not only it's kind of small town values, but that it truly is a diverse place that the vast majority of people seem ready to get along. And I think the time was ripe to just get um, some of these faith leaders in the room. But I'll tell you, my ongoing um, frustration is there's not more of us. I want it to be, you know, how many, how many churches alone are there in the city? 
Um, so we got 15 people that are attending, sometimes 18. But what would it be like if there were 40, 60, 100 faith leaders all sitting together just to get to know each other? That's my vision. That's my hope. Well, now that uh, one of our members of MLink is Mayor Zeus Wallen, she represents the Mormon community in our midst. And maybe maybe she can, uh, you know, I don't know, pass a law or something that says that everybody has to <laughs> So <laughs> I don't think she should pass a law, but but in all seriousness, I think one of the things that we that we've struggled with is, you know, how much do we first of all, we're all volunteers, no, no one is doing this as anything other than a hobby. Yeah. How, how can we take the time to promote it? And what I've been thinking about recently is, yes, we want to get faith leaders with other faith leaders. But the vast majority of people in Modesto, even if they're not faith leaders, they have a faith leader, they have a spiritual community, and they could go talk to their pastor, their priest, their minister, their, their you know, spiritual leader and say, hey, here's this thing happening. Are you going to it? And maybe we can kind of move this from the ground up, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of this loops back into what Jim and I were talking about earlier, which is the just rapid demographic changes that our community is seeing and I think it's impacting the faith community and the community at large in the sense that it's kind of a lot of it is turning back into itself and trying to protect itself as opposed to, you know, reaching out and uh, embracing these new developments in our community. It's kind of like turning back in. Uh, we're going to protect ourselves. We're going to protect what we believe. No one's going to take that away from us. And I'm seeing that a lot. Yeah. I think that's a human, it's a human response. When, when we're frightened, we go inward, you know, when, when it's yeah. scary outside, we, we hunker down inside. And yet this moment in our community is requiring uh, a, a few more brave steps of knocking on our neighbor's door and saying, hey, my name is Shalom, who are you? Um, how many of us don't know our neighbors? How many of us have, have, have multiple houses of worship in our neighborhood that we don't know anything about, let alone haven't had the, we call in Hebrew and Yiddish chutzpah, the, 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 the audacity, the nerve to go inside and say, hey, what's going on here? Not yeah. that I want to join. I just want to learn. Yeah. Well, hey, we need to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk about principles of, uh, you know, how that you can really coexist without co-believing and uh, on what this could look like together. So just want to remind you, you're listening to Better Modesto, and this is KFIV 1360 AM. We'll, we'll see you after the break. All right. Well, welcome back. Hope you had a good time on the break. And I'm here with my co-host, Chris Rickey, and I'm Jim Applegate. And we have our guest, Shalom Bachner, who is the rabbi at Congregation Beth Shalom. So uh, welcome back. And we just want to continue our conversation about getting along in Modesto and the fact that Modesto's demographic is shifting, it's changing, and yet you know, in that we have an opportunity to really become a better, greater city as we learn to um, embrace each other's differences. And we've been talking about the idea that coexist doesn't necessarily mean co-believe. And, uh, you know, Shalom, I know that there, when we gather as religious leaders in the community, there's, there's a few principles that you have put together um, that are really helpful in learning to listen to one another. Could, so could you share some of those with us? Yeah, and I want to be clear that I didn't put them together. Is this uh, M-Link group, multi-faith leaders and communities started uh, moving forward? We realized, look, we needed some basic ground rules and everyone had a chance to come up with some. And we literally 
talked about them, agreed on them, typed them up, and I'm happy to run through some of them. Um, some really useful things for us as religious leaders, beware of how much time and how frequently you're speaking. If you're talking a lot, consider holding back. This is a key one. Approach conversation from a place of curiosity. Ask clarifying questions. No, yes, but, or don't you think. Try to use empathetic tones. Use Avoid judgmental comments. Avoid acting with condescend, uh, in a condescending way. Uh, be mindful about the language used to refer to the divine or the sacred or the ultimate or God. A reminder that not all religions are theistic and terms that many of us use like Jesus, God, Lord, those are not universal terms that everyone um, agrees with. Similarly, one of the agreements, be mindful and consider how religious, cultural and or racial ethnic minorities might feel in this majority white Christian nation. Um, so there's uh, literally about three dozen of these agreements and what they allow us to do is operate from a place of curiosity rather than debate. We're not there to, to win an argument. We're there to listen to someone. We're there to understand them. And yeah. that's really been the driving force and the incredible thing, it, it works. And I just want to get this in before I forget. We meet every month on the third Wednesday, 12 to 1. Right now we're meeting on Zoom. And if you're listening to this as a pastor, please find us how to join us. If you're listening and you're not a pastor, Talk to your pastor and see if they know about us and can join us. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Chris, just listening to some of those principles, um, you know, what do you think this has, you know, the ramifications even for the political community and then, you know, for our city as a whole as we try to figure out how to get along with each other? Well, I think it, it really makes a statement about our faith community and what the intent of a good portion of it is, which is to actively improve the human condition and actively improve our ability to interact together and communicate ideas together and do good as a society together. So I think it's, I, 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 this is the first time I've heard these ideas and I, I, I'm into them. I really like them. And I wish more people would consider it, especially in the political sphere. Um, and I know that like in the political sphere um, on Modesto city council, I'm seeing, you know, people like David Wright, people like, you know, Ted Brandvold, who have, you know, significant different uh, political beliefs than I do. Like we were still able to work together um, and and do good stuff together, even though, you know, because we all hold the good of the city as the most important thing. So, Chris, what have you learned? Like, even in the first sixty days of just being a city councilman, how do you walk into conversations and find common ground so that you can find higher ground? Well, I think that it really comes down to what we were talking about earlier, in the sense of we all have the belief that we want to make this city better, and we do have common ground, and that we all think there are certain services that the city should provide. We believe that our employees should get their health insurance taken care of, like we talked about earlier. We believe that we should have a safe city. We believe that we should have a healthy city. Like these basic premises are not political. They are human, human principles. And so when we reduce what we want into that, as opposed to how we do it, it's pretty easy to start a conversation. It's very similar actually to a conversation you and I were having about forestry the other day. And I was talking about, we we're talking about how we're going to maintain our canopy in the college area. And we're having 
hundreds of trees dying every year. And it's gonna change in a very short order, it's gonna change the whole character of our neighborhood. And so Jim and a few others in our neighborhood were discussing solutions for that. And you know, we were talking about how much it might cost and how much it would cost to have uh, city employees doing this versus, you know, versus other options. And, and Jim said like, well, maybe we should talk to this contractor. They might be able to do it for less money. Now, that idea hadn't even struck me because that's just not how I think. But yeah. when, I, when I heard Jim say it, I was like, we should explore that. They might be able to do more work. Let's give that a shot. Even though it's not my first inclination, even though that's maybe not the direction I want to go, I'm going to look at it because I, want, I respect Jim's opinion. Yeah, and we're just open-minded to one another and, uh, and seeing what we can do. So, Shalom, same question to you. Like when you walk into a room and you realize that you've got a lot of dissenting opinions, how do you, what are some questions that you might walk in there? You said that curiosity. How do you find, you know, peace in there? You know, my, my faith teaches me that all of us are children of God, that all of us have a divine spark in us. All of us have incredible potential for holiness, for connection. And, and secondly, my faith teaches me that one of my main roles in existing in the first place is to make this world a better place for everybody. I can't do that without what comes back to some of these guidelines. Assume good intentions, act with civility, respect, honor. Um, focus on areas of agreement. And I think this is a key one, and it's probably where Jews and Christians can really agree, accept everyone as a person to be loved. Um, I don't need to agree with someone to respect them and to find a place of, of admiration for them. Um, so I think that these are not just principles for how a group of religious leaders can sit down for an hour a month. Uh, it's really principles of how we can live with diversity as a positive rather than, oh my gosh, people are different. Thank goodness, thank God people are different. What a boring city and world this would be if we all thought the same. So we've got about two minutes left before we need to wrap up, but I'm just wondering if there's, what's the one takeaway that we could give people this week? Like if you guys said, we want people to go out and practice what we've talked about. We know the demographic is shifting in Modesto. We know that our next door neighbor may have not been someone we wanted as a next door neighbor. But so how can we put this into practice this week? Chris, what's your thoughts? How, what's, how can we go out and live this? Well, I want to I challenge Shalom. Like if you want more preachers to, and, or whatever, Immens or whatever, whatever flavor of pastor we're talking about here, to come to your meetings, I challenge you to, to hop on the phone and call them and say, hey, I want you here. I need you here. I want your, I want your diversity. I want your different ideas here in my room with me because we've got this great room full of people that want to love you and accept you and learn about you. And you just don't even know it. There's this whole world out there that, that wants you to be a part of it and wants your, you know, your new ideas to come in. So I'd say that, and I've had that experience when I reached out to Rick Countryman, the man is more different than me than, than any people could be different, but him and I can talk and solve problems together and do great stuff together, even though we're really different. So I just wanted to encourage you. I can gladly take that challenge because I've already taken it and we're going to keep making those phone calls and sending those emails. Uh, thank you for, for that encouragement. You know, my answer, uh, Jim, to your question is when we see something that we don't get, think what might be going on here that I don't know? What is leading someone to think, to act, to say what they're saying, rather than come to a conclusion of, oh, I know where that's coming from. Can we bring curiosity 
into the place of political differences, ethnic differences, religious differences? Can we find that, that childlike, beautiful part of us that just wants to explore and see? I think if we can bring that into our interactions, literally we, we start making our community and our world a better place just with that one greater emphasis on curiosity rather than judgment. Yeah, right on. Well, I love that curiosity. In fact, I heard the phrase the other day, compassionate curiosity. You know, you just walk in there and with a little bit of sympathy, start asking questions, just start to imagine the story could be different. So, hey, I want to thank both of you because you have both been men in my life who have invited me in with curiosity and you have asked me questions and helped me. And I just want to say thanks for being on the show today. Shalom and uh, Chris, thanks for co-hosting today. And uh, you know we're looking forward to next week already. We are actually going to be digging into the subject of Modesto self-image. So I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, what Modesto self-image is. Um, this week I've heard that we are the Appalachian of the West, the you know the mini Appalachian of the West, and that's definitely not a good thing. I think we've been on the top ten list for some things that we don't want to be on the top ten list for. And uh, there's certainly an image out there, but we want to change that image. And we're going to have on a guest next week. It's Thomas Reeves, who is the public relations officer for the city of Modesto. And uh, Chris and I and Thomas are going to talk about how we are changing the or our efforts towards changing the, the self-image of Modesto. So thanks, guys, for joining us today. And I hope you have a great rest of your Saturday. And this has been Better Modesto with Jim Applegate and Chris Rickey and our guest today shalom bachner so thanks so much and we'll see you next week yeah and have another donut for me please <laughs> thanks for having me <laughs> this is kfiv and better modesto 1360 am we'll see you next time